Hey, welcome to the All In Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Allport, and this week I'm joined by my friend and multiple-time guest on the podcast, as well as two-time Olympian, Liz Gleedle. Now, we both have been waiting for a while to do this podcast. We've been excited for this new format uh, that we're doing on today's show, where we're just kind of going through our thought processes and sharing about a specific topic of something that's been kind of affecting our lives. There's some stats that we've been noticing. Now we both wear the whoop strap and I'll put a link in the bio uh, for whoop strap if you're interested because I know that we do talk about the whoop strap a lot. By the way, we are not sponsored by whoop. So appreciate you. If you do want to get a whoop and you want to save $30 off one, you can use the code there to do so. Anyways, getting back on onto the topic of what we're going to be doing on the show today is basically we're going to go through some of these big changes in 2020 how they affected our sleep, as well as anxiety and different things that we're noticing in the stats and trends that we're seeing on our whoop. This is your host, Natalie Allport, and on this podcast, we dive into the mindset, knowledge, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. So whether you're here for motivation to learn something new or just real conversation, I'm humbled you're listening and stoked to go all in with you. Welcome back to the All In Podcast. We have a three-time returning guest, Liz Gleedle, on here. He was also a two-time Olympian and a uh, very many time, I don't know how many times, uh, Canadian champ in Javelin. Uh, welcome, and we're going to be talking about sleep and whoop and all these crazy things that we've been experiencing. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. This is, uh, this is always fun. I love nerding out with you. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to just nerd out about our data and all these things about Whoop. And um, I think what really started this conversation was both of us like independently had been experiencing some stuff with our Whoop, especially getting really high REM sleep and especially in the year 2020. Um, and then I remember like it's something I've been dealing with for forever and trying to look up on Google, like what is this? But everything is about how to get more REM, not how to get less. But then I saw that there was anxiety, depression, all these things linked with getting consistently high REM, which was, I was like, okay, that's kind of scary. And then I saw you post something about REM. And so then of course that started a message of like, oh my gosh, we are both experiencing this. And so that's how this came to be. So perhaps start off with sharing like what you've been seeing with your REM sleep. Yeah. So I'm, my life is really consistent. And so I was really like, okay, I really want to meet my sleep needs every single night. And I have been like, since I put my whoop band back on, because I only put on my whoop band when I'm actually measuring something and I'm actually trying to track how my behavior is changing things. Because I feel like if you're just wearing whoop to wear whoop, that's, you know, that's cool and everything, but you don't want to make yourself freak out about the data. You want to look for consistencies and inconsistencies, but it was really interesting because I would, you know, sometimes I'd get uh, you know, if I had one glass of alcohol, obviously like my REM just drops like crazy, <laughs> yeah. um, because I have zero tolerance anymore at the tender age of 32. <laughs> Me too. Don't but worry. <laughs> <it was> really... <laughs> yeah. But then what was happening is I was getting between like 35 to 50% REM over and over and over again. And it's like, this is a sign that you are under recovered or you are not getting enough sleep or you're making up for a lack of sleep. And I was thinking, no, I'm doing exactly what you're telling me to do. And it's giving me this exact, like, you need this much sleep. And I have it set at peak performance every single day. And I generally like, I have an alarm, but I maybe wake up to my alarm once a week. I normally beat my alarm. Um, and it's, you know, it's a generous alarm. So it's kind of like eight and a half, almost nine hours just to make sure I don't miss something. Yeah. Um, and so I thought it was really interesting. I'm like, why am I getting all this REM? And obviously like it's COVID, we have anxiety and you're saying like on Google, like, yeah, it says like, if you have like a bit of anxiety, it could manifest itself in dreams. And then I was thinking about this concept. I was looking up definitions of anxiety 
and the way it actually shows up, like overcommitting yourself or having really crazy dreams or, um, yeah, or just like the way people kind of ruminate quite a bit, um, or they find ways to keep constantly busy instead of putting like relaxation and joy into their life, like just doing something for the fun of it. Right. And I was like, okay, I actually do all of these things. Like I'm constantly doing something. I very rarely just like relax. And sometimes instead of relaxing, like true relaxation, like true joy, I'll like watch TV or something, Mm. which is not the same thing. Yeah. And so I've been, the only thing that I've tried to do lately, and it's, I think my rims down a little, it's no longer like 40%, but I've tried to put a little bit more like actual relaxation exercises, so to speak, or actually joy exercises. So I'm like drawing or I'm reading a fiction Ah. book, or I'm like calling my friend and like not looking at my phone, but like have like, I'm just talking, chatting with my friend. So I'm wondering if that's caused a little bit of a dip in relieving anxiety. And maybe the anxiety is super linked to this REM. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I, just before we hit record, I was sharing that like, since I moved, my REM kind of went, went down, which is crazy. Cause it's been like years that it seems to be so high. And then especially in 2020. Um, and so I wonder, yeah, I do wonder, like I'm spending more time outside, uh, spending way more time on my morning routine and meditation reading reading more like last year I was learning a lot more but I was always like podcast while I was doing this and doing this like you know go 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 at the same time and I wonder now like going to bed earlier just different things like I was always still like last year getting you know all my sleep need like you said but just my my routine was a little bit shifted to later night later wake up time and now it's earlier to bed earlier to wake up and yeah I wonder it's it's just such an interesting thing, like this high REM, because I think I did find a few different studies and papers on it. And mm-hmm. they, they said it was like, no one's really done the causation study of like, is it anxiety that leads to the, the high REM or is it high REM that is one of the things that leads to anxiety and depression? And so some of the studies say it's like, this seems correlated, but they don't know if it, if they spiral on each other. Like for example, if you, um, are depressed or anxious that causes your mind not to like just fully you know let go and then you're ruminating and you have these dreams and you have this high REM and then that causes further cycles because you wake up with like oh my god I just dreamed this or whatever it is and it keeps cycling or does that then cause all those things and so that's something that I'm just still so confused about yeah yeah same here um but it is interesting this whole concept of like anxiety is like you're worried about the future in a way, right? Like, so you're, you're problem solving and that's what REM does, right? You're like, your rational brain gets shut down and then the dreams allow you to like extrapolate through all these different scenarios about all the small things you're worrying about. And so maybe like, maybe that is it, but then maybe you get used to it because your brain's like, Ooh, I'm problem solving (laughs) during the night. I'm doing such a good job. Look at me at 50% of REM, just problem solving away for all my anxieties. So, I mean, uh, it is interesting. Like this, Uh, it makes me think though because like at one point like I was learning a ton too it's like I was reading every day I was trying to figure out some technical stuff I was creating my program which was very like mentally challenging Mm. and I was getting a lot of REM too around then but then yeah I definitely wasn't as calm there felt like this sense of urgency and maybe it's a sense of urgency like for you you're setting up this podcast for a long time right and you were trying to make sure it was successful and you were trying to like get these guests on and you were hustling and like maybe it's a sense of urgency during our day that then creates this REM. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. And I like that. I know we had also talked about like the learning and also like the introspection 
part of yeah. things of 2020, especially. And I think, I think you're, you're onto something in a sense, because in, so for example, in 2020, there were so many pivots for me in my business and in my life. Um, I was really lucky having an online business and doing marketing and stuff that I, it wasn't like, Oh my God, all my income is cut when everything happened. But you know, all of a sudden it was like, Oh my gosh, I have to figure out all these solutions for so many different clients and businesses and people. And then I was like, wow, my time is given back to me. What can I do with it? I want to you know, get this podcast going again. I want to connect with new, more people. And I was like, so introverted before and, or I thought I was in a sense, where I, was like, I don't want to connect with people. I don't want to go out. But then I realized, oh my gosh, all this virtual connection is actually awesome. I've been loving like connecting with people. So that's like a new thing. Um, all of a sudden I, you know, I really dived deep into the sports marketing world and started becoming like a speaking on panels and doing all these things. And so there's so much learning and change. And I know we were talking about this offline about how that might be something that, you know, our brains are problem solving all that because we're doing all this change and introspection and figuring out who we are and these next steps. And every day you can wake up to new rules, new changes, and all these different aspects of your life being flipped around. So you're in like problem solving mode constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I was on, actually, I started reading Atomic Habits over the summer and I just finished it a couple of days ago. Um, but then I also realized something else. It's like habits or consistency make it easy for our brains. It's less expensive mm. to do habits for, for us cognitively. It takes up less brain energy. Yeah. And so basically like we're constantly having new situations. So we're constantly having no new habits, like, sorry, no, like no old habits. We're constantly right. refreshing, 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 because it's like, you can go to the gym. You can't go to the gym. You can see friends. <laughs> you can't see friends. And so it's, I wonder if it's also decision fatigue. Because now we have to make so many more choices on a daily basis, or even like, you know, everything changes. The rule, the social rules change every like month, it seems. And, you know, you're like, okay, well, there's more COVID. Do I wear a mask? Do I see friends? Do I not see friends? Do I like, how do I regulate my social life? And that's something that we never had to think about before making these like cognitive decisions constantly. It's like, yeah, I play basketball on Thursday and I see this person on Monday and I bake muffins on Tuesday. And it's like... <laughs> Whether or not you know it or not, there's a lot of routine in our lives. And I think maybe maybe this disruption of routine and decision fatigue is another thing that's affecting REM because we're constantly making decisions that we didn't have to make before. It's like, okay, how do I get out of my business? Do I move? Do I not move? Do I see these friends? Do I not see these friends? How do I get a workout in? Versus like, oh, I'll just go to the gym and do my workout like I always do. Right. Like we're building these new cognitive patterns and that's effort. Like that's mental energy that's being expended on that versus just going through the motions and, you know, thinking that through into my own life, that makes a lot of sense because 2020 was like, as much as I love, like, I, I feel like I just like to be challenged in that situation. Like, okay, what's going to change? Like, how can I adapt? That's like also part of my like ADHD brain is like, okay, let's, let's go. Like I like to do yeah. things at the last minute, figure it out. But then since I moved, uh, I guess it's been maybe three three weeks or since January 1st, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm waking up at this time every morning. I'm doing this every morning, my meditation for this long, then the breath work, then the reading, then the outside, then, you know, all this pattern, maybe that's contributed to almost lowering my REM a little bit because all of a sudden, like at the start, I was building those patterns, but now it's just like, I do the same thing every day. Um, yeah. I'm out here, like we're isolated in like the forest. So we're not seeing new people. We're not even being like affected by the new rules because we literally are just <laughs> chilling here by ourselves with our dog. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're checking the news less. We're worrying about different things less. We're communicating even with less people. It's just, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah, that's definitely decreased decision fatigue on moving. 
Yeah. 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 And I mean, there was a lot when it, you know, okay, we're going to move. What are we going to do? How is the rules going to change and all these things? But now that we're here, it's like, okay, you know, exhale. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That really makes it, yeah. That really makes me think that whoop is, or whoop REM is incredibly tied to decision fatigue. Yeah. And, and you know what I also was thinking as you were, as you were explaining it uh, earlier with, with the decision fatigue also is both of us, I would say, would you consider yourself naturally like just a good sleeper? Like you haven't had a ton of issues with, oh my God, like insomnia or anything? No, I mean, like I realized this a long time ago, um, that I was, um, when I was sleeping alone with my boyfriend and I train at different facilities normally, um, but when we sleep in the same bed, <laughs> he reads to me, <laughs> he reads me to sleep, he reads me a bedtime story, and I'm out in like three minutes. Like, it is no problem. But I'd gotten in the, this bad habit about a year ago of just like my brain would be going a million miles an hour and I wouldn't calm myself down. And despite the fact that I know that like watching TV is bad for me right before bed, um, it would help me not listen to my own thoughts that would just rip through my brain right before bed. And now I have a way better bedtime routine where it's like, I like calm down, I'll draw, I'll think, I'll write, I'll get things out. And that really helps me get to sleep. But I was like, at one point it was really bad because I would just watch TV to fall asleep because I just felt like there were so many things going through my brain. And that definitely created a major issue in falling asleep. And I'd be like, oh, I just can't fall asleep at night. There's so many things running through my head. And it's like, no, just get a better bedtime routine. Spend three minutes writing about how your day went and you'll fall asleep. Like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like a lot of the issues I've had with sleep are all self-made. Um, Mm. but then I get into a rut of like being in a really bad habit. That's just like pulling me into this awful behavior. So now like a great sleep routine. Now it's like, things are dim. The temperature is getting cold. Like I brush my teeth at a certain time. Like right now I'm in Kamloops on a training camp. So I'm uh, I call my boyfriend. He reads me a bedtime story over the phone. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. You know, it's funny. My, um, what, yeah, my, when I ever share a bed, it said that my recovery went down. My boyfriend's the exact opposite. He's like, no, it goes up for me. (laughs) I'm like, ah, but it goes down for me. But anyways, now that we're living together, it just like a, you know, you have to manage each other's bedtime routines and he, he doesn't have one. He just likes to watch TV before bed. And I'm like, okay. So he'll put on the TV, but usually like, you know, maybe we'll watch a show together after Mm -hmm. I finish work and eating, whatever down, like in the living room. Yeah. We have the TV, like we have a really big like master bedroom. So the TV's like on the complete other side. So it's not like super close. Um, and so it's still like pretty dark. And actually it's almost dark enough because we have the forest in the outside the window that we can leave the blinds open and still like pitch black. Wow. And, and uh which is which is super nice because then in the morning you get a little bit of light um when you when you get up. And then so he'll put on a show, but I'm already like almost, you know, falling asleep, but I got the blue light glasses. We both do that. And then, um, but I'll do my stretching. So I, while he's watching the show, like I can see it, but I'm on the floor and doing my stretching, my stretching routine. And I'll yeah. by the time I get into bed. I'm like, you know, five minutes away. And sometimes I'll just forget. I'll be like, what we're on this episode. Like, I don't remember. I was, I was out. Yeah, I was out. But we have totally different, you know, sleep routines and we have to like figure that out and, and mix match it. Also, he's like, I like to cuddle. And I'm like, no, stay away. It's too hot. <laughs> Last night, he put my dog in uh, under the blankets while I was stretching. And Artists. oh my gosh, like she was a heater and she was so mad. I was trying to move her and she's growling at me. And I'm like, ha, I don't want to make her angry. And so she's just like right there beside me and just like a, a heater. And that does not, not help. But I want to go back to like, both of us saying that we were, we're pretty good sleepers. Like it's not been something yep. 
really struggled with. And I think that's why when we go to see the research, it's all about for people who are bad sleepers. Like it's like how to become a better sleeper. So for us who are already good sleepers, I find that then these things are increasing our REM because we're not having the issues of falling asleep. We're not having those same issues of like, you know, waking up in the night. So things that might've held people back from getting to sleep in the first place or staying asleep are actually just increasing that mental processing while we're sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. What is like, what's the number one thing that you think has been like the best thing for your sleep routine before bed? Like the thing that's like, just made, like, it just makes you fall asleep easily or you don't feel like you have a million thoughts at night. So crazy enough, it's actually the getting up early. And like, I've just been reading, like seeing, like listening, I guess, to a lot of neuroscience podcasts about light exposure. So like mm. when I when I wake up before the sun, because of course it's winter. So it's like, you know, dark till seven. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I'll try to get outside, even though it's like freezing cold, it'll kind of work into my cold exposure or today I went skiing. Um, and just like get, you know, see the sunrise. And I guess what it does is like set a timer to be like, okay, in about 12 hours from now, you know, you're going to start releasing melatonin and all these things. And so then, um, I'd really try to wind down. I put on my blue light glasses, you know, we have kind of like a routine, maybe we'll watch a show together. Um, but then, and then I'll stretch. Um, but I think by the time I'm stretching, like, I wish I could say it was stretching before bed, but by that time I'm already tired. Like I, I just yeah. I feel like I'm already tired super early. And if I'm tired at eight, I'll start heading to bed at, at eight. And, yeah. but I do think it comes from the morning routine that it's like, I have the energy throughout the day. And then I crash kind of at the appropriate time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just such an interesting one. So I hope anyone who's listening, like, you know, if you felt like you fall into this bucket where you're getting these crazy dreams, you're having these high REM, but you're not someone who's like deals with sleep issues. You're not alone. Like we're dealing with this too. And it's hard to find any of the information on it because it seems like a lot of the information out there is for people who really, really struggle and have, you know, sleep disorders of actually falling asleep and staying asleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. Cause a lot of people say like, Oh, these people have sleep disorders, but I'm, I'm highly of the opinion that people are just have like most, I'm going to say like, I'm just going to throw like a random number out there. I feel like 70 or 80% of people's sleep issues are self-induced. Oh, hundred percent. And then they'll tell you like, I need to watch TV. Like you just said to fall asleep, but it's like, no, maybe it's actually, that's like what's holding you back. And that's, that's an interesting one. I remember, I think this week you posted something that it wasn't about sleep specifically, but it was about letting go of, you know, the habits that used to serve you and you kind of identify with them. So you're like, well, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is normal for me. And so you say that something is not working out that you want to achieve now. And it's because of that, but it's like, you could let go of that but it's just so into your identity and what you do that you don't think it's what's affecting it yeah well I think another part of it too is people often try and remove a bad habit but they don't try and replace it mm-hmm. and so you feel a loss deeply like you're like I am off because yeah. you just feel like there's nothing to fill the void and I feel like the real trick for like getting to bed earlier or not eating like super late or you know like tv is voyeurism it's very exciting like when you think about it, we are watching someone live an exciting experience. And like, as a human, like if you look at someone on the other side of the street doing something really funny, and then they make eye contact with you, the first thing you do is like, look away and like panic. (laughs) In TV, they can look back at you and you feel compelled to stare back at them because you know, they can't see you. It's a very exciting human experience. And it really like stimulates you. And so I think when people like have like these TV before bed or eating too late or just all the lights in the house on or like eating sugar right before bed, which like crazy boosts your like insulin response and then like blunts your melatonin response, you need to replace it with something else. 
So if you're watching TV, like try and read a book. If you don't like reading a book, listen to a podcast. If you want to draw to try and calm yourself down, that's good too. Like creating something is very useful because, you know, it doesn't have to be anything of a note. It can be something chill or even just like you love to like, I don't know, uh, dance at night, like maybe like dim the lights a little, make it feel like, make it feel a little more different. I don't know, but like this, like you do some hip hop, like before sleep. Yeah. I don't know. But like people do things, weird things late at night, but this whole concept of like, I don't think you can take anything out because you'll feel a loss. I think you need to replace. Yeah. And so if you're going to do something, you need to be like, okay, what else do I enjoy? That is not as stimulating or engaging or requires as much, as much light or physical exertion, or like, how can I replace with this with something that may benefit my sleep routine? And I think maybe that's like the biggest thing I found when I try and like stop doing something, it doesn't work. I need to replace it with something else. Mm, yeah. I, I feel that 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 was on point with everything that you said there. And um, one of the things like, for example, like my boyfriend likes to watch TV before sleep. Um, and he he's one of those people who says, yeah, he needs it. Like he needs yeah. it. And uh, there's no changing his mind. Okay. He's stubborn. And I will try to tell him like, you should do this. You should meditate. You should. And he has to figure it out on his, on his own. I've learned that. Yeah. <laughs> over time. But, um, but yeah, like one of the things is like, I am very like cognizant of what we watch. Um, yeah. I'm like, our minds are so influenceable, like are in, influenceable. I don't know if that's a word, but it, uh, so, something like that. Influenceable. Influential? Well, influential is like doing the influencing. Yeah. So, yes, influential. They, they can be easily, influential. maybe influenceable or easily, they can be easily influenced. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. I'm just easily influenced, I think, because we yeah. can receive it. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, not a grammar expert, but, um, but yeah. Uh, so I'm really like aware of what we're watching. And so, uh, for him, like what he likes to do is he will watch, like, he likes to watch something like friends or the office where he's watched every episode a million times. So yeah. it's literally like, it's not, not anything new. It's just like putting him to sleep in his words. And so for yeah. me, I'm like, in a similar sense, I don't really like to rewatch things a million times. That just yeah. I, it drives me crazy. I'm like, we've watched this so many times. Like I just, it, it, it just bothers me. And then I get riled up before I go to sleep. So yeah. Uh, we, but we watch a light comedy. Like we cannot watch any like dark show, deep show, shows that we're going to learn, documentaries. Yeah. Like that is no, that is not it. Cause then we'll be, that'll be even worse probably on my rim. Yeah. I feel like Friends is like, like the ultimate, I need to fall asleep, but I've already seen every episode. Like I feel like so many people watch Friends to fall asleep. It's like a comfort yes. thing. That's how they have so much viewership now. Like it's like yeah. they're, they're stacking is because it's on all night while people forget to take it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Th- that, that's something I'm cognizant of. And I think that's like maybe an easy change for people at first is like, don't we'll get into like, I don't know, Westworld or something like, right before <laughs> you sleep. like that's not good. Like, do not do that. But, you know, just watch something light, exchange that with that. Maybe that's an easy first change versus just yeah. scrapping the whole TV. And then you can replace it with something entirely different yeah. um, to calm down. But yeah. Or even like calm sleep stories and like, you know, maybe like listen to it like once when you're awake. So you know what the story is. Yeah. And then you have the same bedtime story over and over and over again, and you're not getting blue light in your face right before you go to sleep. Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. So I think, I think replacing those habits definitely makes a lot of sense. And I think we've kind of digged into like what we think our REM is from. What do we, what are you, what are you thinking about what we can do to maybe improve that? Like, do you, do you notice things from this high REM that is, that's causing you to be like, I don't want to get this high of REM? 
no, like, I don't think it's a problem. I just think it's a funny thing that loops like, this is a problem. And I'm like, it's a problem. (laughs) Like, isn't it good that I'm like dealing with things in a very healthy sleep way. That's like, you're experiencing some anxiety. Here's some REM to like deal with that. Yeah. I wonder if it'd be interesting if they said like, well, we, we obviously don't know and they don't know because these are all theories, but I mean, it makes sense, but it'd be interesting to say like, you're experiencing high REM. You may be like experiencing anxiety. What is going on in your life right now? That is making you experience anxiety and what can you do to reduce it 10%? Because it's probably a threshold too, right? Like where yeah. you have, you know, you have anxiety to a certain point, your REM kind of stays the same. And then once you're like very anxious or you're like, you have a lot going on or you have hyper decision fatigue, which are all anxiety driving things, I think. Um, maybe it gets to this threshold point where your body just feasts on REM because it kind of crosses a threshold. It's not necessarily a direct relationship, a little more anxiety, a little more REM. Maybe it's like, wow, you're like your state, your physical, physiological state is kind of a little overwhelmed right now and your nervous system is overwhelmed. So we're going to try and compensate by just attacking it with REM. Mm. So, Yeah. yeah, I think that'd be really interesting. I'd love to see a study on like perceived anxiety and REM or perceived decision fatigue or new life choices or lack of routine or implementing of new things and REM. Yeah. But for me, like it, it's somewhat the high REM does bother me in a sense that I, these dreams are the worst. And I've always, uh, I've like, I feel like I've always had crazy dreams. And like, as a kid, I remember having really vivid dreams, but lately, especially since I moved, I keep having really scary dreams about something happening to my dog. And like, then I wake up like so upset. And then especially like I'm walking her and I have like a flashback to the dream or something. And I'm like, Oh, I'm keeping her on the leash forever. Like I can never let her off. And like, and it just, it just makes me nervous. And so then I have to like overcome that in the day. I'm like, okay, breathe. Like this was just a dream, but I I didn't have those thoughts or those visuals in my head from those dreams. So that's the only thing that it would bother me by, but otherwise like I'm, I'm feeling rested. I can wake up and you know get once I get the sun exposure and everything I'm awake and good to go but that's that's the one thing I'm like please just can I not have these dreams yeah yeah I probably have like I had some weird dreams last night I don't remember them that's the thing with me it's like I don't remember them as as much um but sometimes they're exceptionally vivid and yeah. it's probably once a week I wake up and I'm like, <laughs> and like my boyfriend's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm like oh, thank Christ. It's just a dream. <laughs> and then I'll go back to sleep and it's like middle of the night. So yeah. it's, it's always these strange dreams, but yeah, like a lot of the time I do forget them. It's a general feeling of anxiety though. And then once, probably like once a week, I'm, I'm like, that was awful. And I remember it and it was really upsetting. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is kind of interesting. Like, I don't think you should be like panicked once a week I don't think that's normal yeah that's that's the only thing that I think like otherwise you know I'm fine with the like slightly high REM on normal days but that that's the one thing that really bothers me but something I'm, I'm thinking about like the days that I do seem like for example all like if I go out all day and I'm like I snowboarded then I went cross-country skiing and I just did like things that like my my brain wasn't off but I was just outdoors and doing You're these slow yeah, exactly. And then, uh, so I like go to bed exhausted. Maybe I even have a beer after doing those things. I always wake up with great recovery and like a really good sleep those nights. But I find it's like, well, it's kind of unrealistic that every single day I'm literally like no laptop, no work. Like I'm just like completely in flow doing these things, but I've really noticed that that really does help. That's interesting. I wonder if there's a connection between this concept of like like obviously we're animals and like the more we're in that state where we're alert, we're one with our body, we're in flow, we're connecting to ourselves. We feel spiritual. We see nature. 
I wonder if the concept of having that is really something that like regulates REM and regulates recovery because you feel whole. You don't feel stressed by the modern world and being pulled in 10 different directions. Yeah. So maybe there's like that balance that you could find. Like, obviously like there's the days where it's like, you're like, I get all day. I'm having amazing sleep, but I wonder what the actual balance is. Like how many hours of flow or fun do you need to have to offset the anxiety driving decision fatigue of the modern world and of, you know, how we're working. Yeah, I do wonder because like, no matter, like you listen to all these podcasts, say on neuroscience or on yeah. like just studying all these things or nerding out on all these things. And what you really realize is that we have the biology of us like 200 million years ago. Like we yeah. have the same biology, but our world is so different. Like we are not cavemen anymore, but like our brains think like that. And that's why we react stressful to social media notifications to whatever. And like, for example, for me, like my job is on social media. And so really that's kind of against, our biology versus when we're out in flow and like, you know, going cross country skiing all day, like our ancestors realistically did do stuff like that all day out hunting, uh, like hunting. And then they were just looking forward to food and social yeah. time at night with, with family or friends. And, and so it's just interesting because it's like so many of these things in the modern world, sure. They've created so many opportunities for us to do different things and um, have fulfillment in different ways and all these things. But at the same time, isn't it interesting that biologically what it gives us energy and even the ability to then have that energy to do some of those things are these yeah. old school methods that just align with our biology. So I, yeah, I, I'm just always trying to seek, like, where is the balance there? Because it's hard. Like, even, for example, like, when it comes to my work, it's like, let me teach athletes or organizations or whatever how to better use social media, but at the same time, how to mindfully use it, because I know that it's not beneficial for them to spend all day ruminating on it and caring about it when they need to be present in their sport. And so everything has this ebb and flow and this balance to it, and it's, like, figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it is interesting. Yeah, I heard something the other day. It's I'm gonna totally misquote it. There's something like comparison is the largest sin of the modern world. Right. Because you know, you you know, say you lived with like 500 other people, right? Everybody would have their own niche to fill, and there'd be very little comparison of people fighting it out in the same realm. And now on social media, you see people who are versions of you, so to speak. Mm. And so you're constantly comparing yourself to these people, and it's it's very like you know, comparison is good sometimes because it like in, in small doses, it forces you to react and be like, I should be better. And like, you know, and then you have something to focus on, but when you're like, I should dress better. I should have better hair. I should be better at posting on social media. I should be better at throwing javelin. I should be stronger. I should be this. I should be that. I should know how to cook. I should have a better, like, I should try harder <laughs> with my relationships. It's like, oh, like it's just a this lot. overwhelming feeling of inadequacy. Right. And maybe like, that's also the other part. It's like when you, you know, we're stuck inside and like social media is a big thing. And like, if you spend too long on it, you start feeling just inadequate, inadequate, inadequate versus, you know, I've started curating my seat. Um, I have this, I've gone in a muting spree. So oh, that's good. It's been really good because sometimes it's like, well, I don't want to like unfollow some of these people. Like, I actually like occasionally like purposely going to their thing and like seeing what they're up to. And like, I don't want to like not see it. But now like my social media feed is all funny things, yoga things, Sagittarius things, workout things, and javelin things. And it's awesome. And yeah. uh, anytime somebody started putting a creepy comment on my social media, I just blocked <laughs> them immediately. Just immediately. Oh, yeah. I was just like, and it's interesting because it curates your audience, right? Remember that so, one guy on, <laughs> that came onto our Instagram live? Uh, thank God he's oh. got but yeah, my friend was like, yeah, I just keep getting dick pics. And I'm just like, oh. like, yeah, because one person sends you a dick pic. 
and then you interact with them or then you whatever and then another person and then like this this person's algorithm for who they are on Instagram is comparable to all these other people who like to send dick pics Mm -hmm. and so if they keep liking your photos and going through all your stuff and you don't block them it attracts more and more and more of these people (laughs) who are like them that's true and so I was just like as soon as some of these people start being creepy, I started blocking them and I don't get these things anymore. At one point I was getting like foot fetishists constantly messaging me because they'd see how long my feet are. And they're like, can I see the sole of your foot? I'm like, that is hilarious. Like, no, like I'm not into it. Stop asking. Um, like no, no shaming on foot fetish people. Like I'm just personally not into it. And then I was just like, I need to start blocking these people because they're all more and more and more of them because like they'll find you. And then all the algorithm just sends these people to your feet. And so it's been really interesting the way you can curate what you see and you can curate who sees you. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good point. Like muting people. And there's, there's a few people for sure who like I muted just because like, I just, you know, people who are like, they're very active and I like them, but I just know that like, as much as I don't do, you know, I try to stay away from comparing myself and doing these things. It's yeah. like, you're still going to get triggered. And like, these people might be saying something you're like, Oh, I just don't agree with. And I don't want to be triggered to, to be like, yeah. Or, or you don't want to be triggered to like comparing yourself or like, uh, oh, I, I know I don't want to do what they're doing, but still, it's still affecting me in a sense. So just yeah. hitting that mute button is, is awesome. And I've, I've heard of, there was um, this one girl, I think she's, she works as like a, a model. And I think what she said she did was she would mute like everyone, like everyone, but she has accounts that she really purposely goes to in her friends' accounts and stuff, but she still muted yeah. them, but she would go and like, I want to see what they posted, like when she was in that mindset to do so. Right. You have to search it out. It can't automatically just be generated for you. Yeah. I, I yeah. do like that. I mean, I mean, it would take me a long time. I think I follow maybe 900 people. So I'd have to go in and like <laughs> mute everyone. And I, I, it's easier, right. For the information just yeah. to come to you. But in a sense, then you're not controlling the thoughts that come to you sometimes either. Well, I just, I go on muting sprees. I'll be like, I'm going to mute 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> I just go through it. I'm like, mute, 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 mute. Sometimes yeah, I do do comparison stuff. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I do do compare, uh, not, not muting, uh, sprees, but like I'll unfollow too. Like I'd be like, okay, I yeah. followed way too many generic pages and now I'm getting a million things that are echo chambers. So let me just, um, yeah. kind of, I don't need 10 pages that are posting the exact same thing every single day. Um, yeah. over my whole feed, maybe I want a diversity of opinion. So sometimes I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to unfollow and pick one thing that is like about positivity and one thing that's about this or right. one thing. But right. So sometimes I'll do that when it gets too much, but I find it hard. Cause like, sometimes there'll be people who I really, you know, want to connect with for work or whatever. And I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'll follow them back. But I'm like, oh, do I really want to see this thing that they're posting all the time? I don't know. And so it's hard. Yeah. It's like, it's a weird social contract thing. That's yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too. It's um, I recently made the decision to be like a little more conscious about what I post on social media. And I was like, okay, like you can be a couple things, but you can't be everything online. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm a complex person, but like, realistically I was like if you're going to be on social media and you're going to make a thing out of it I'm like what is the purpose for me and so I was like okay well like yeah it's like I could post things that like garner likes like anytime you post anything if you want a sports bra on short shorts like it's gonna get likes like that's just that's just how the world works but I'm like I don't care about that I'm like that's not like I don't need validation in that sense. I'm like, I, I like who I am. I like how I look. That's just fine. But like, that's not my purpose. Like I'm in my thirties. I'm only going to get older and less desirable. Like that's not the thing that's like driving the thing that I value about myself. And I was like, what do people want from me? And I was like, they want to know how to throw a javelin better. They want to know about the exercises I'm doing. They want to know about mindset. And I'm like, my audience is 
young people throwing javelin or track and field athletes or people who care about health and wellness and high performance and pushing themselves. And my new metric, because Instagram's search metrics have totally messed up. My new metric for a successful post is, did this positively impact one person? Mm, I like that. And I was like, that's the whole goal is like, you want to help other people. Like, that's why I have social media is like, I want to help other people do X. I want to make someone else's life easier. And if one person was like, this was so meaningful, this made such a big difference to me. I was like, that's good. I don't care how many likes I got. That was the metric. And it's, I, yeah. it's such a more successful metric for feeling good about something. Cause you're like, I made a difference in one person's lives. Like something clicked for one person. Like, and if you were one-on-one with someone, you had a conversation they're like, wow, that's totally changed the way I think about like how I approach sport. And like, that feels so much easier, less stressful. I'm like, wow, like that would feel really good if one person said that to me. So it's kind of, it's totally shifted the way I look at things. I stopped looking at likes. I started looking at like saves, shares, and comments. Mm, because I, if it, yeah. it's valuable when it's been saved and shared, you know that it was like of worth to someone. I love that. I, I really like that. And that's something that like I try to to spread when I'm talking about social media, especially like uh, I know, you know, parody now. And recently I did like a yeah. series of webinars with all the female athletes. And I said, like, think about this even more than making money or whatever. Like you're yeah. impacting the next generation of female athletes. Imagine if when you were coming up, you had someone like you to share the insights of what it's like to, to be a pro female athlete, to chase these dreams and and all these things. And that's something that I've tried to do. So I started doing TikTok last year and now I'm at four. 40, 45,000 followers. So TikTok is like my, my thing now, but it's all, it's, uh, it's so cool for me because it's, it's about like, what would I have wanted when I was a young female athlete? Um, especially, yeah. and then also like I've dived into like a lot of motivation and mindset, like just talking about some of those things too. Um, yeah. that and, uh, and just like helping people. And that's so cool. Like, for example, the algorithm was super weird yesterday. And so instead of like a lot of my videos, they might have like a hundred thousand, 20,000, whatever views, this video didn't even hit a thousand, which is like really like something was really weird that, that happened. Yeah. With it. But the message that I got, I got someone who came to my Instagram. It was about the benefits of meditation for athletes. And they told me about their nerve issues that they get with, with sports and their experience. I was like, like, you know, you had the thought of like, should I delete this and repost it? Like there's something wrong, but then yeah. just those even hundred people that interacted with it and then messaged you, that's so impactful. And it's like, who cares if it didn't reach a hundred thousand people and impacted them a little bit, it impacted this person a big bit. And that's yeah. like just such a better way to look around social media. Like the messages that you get from those people seeing that they're sharing it and saving it and like this help them is just it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's like, it, it's almost like when people say giving is like the most selfish act it, it is because you get something from it. Like you feel really good about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting too. this concept of like being insensitive to these smaller experiences, right? You're like, well, it only reached a thousand people. Whereas if you said it a year ago, it reached a thousand <laughs> yeah. people, you would have been ecstatic. Exactly. And it's so interesting when people are like, oh, like, you know, it's, it's not performing properly. You only got a thousand people. It's like, yeah, well, like relatively, but we, the problem is, is like, we're like, well, this is what we want and this is what we expect. Like, or like, this is what we want and this is what happened. And the gap between is what dictates your happiness or your feeling of success. But you really have to reset and be like, okay, well, like, 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 you know, like this is my measurement. My measurement for success is this low and it stays this low. Yeah. And if it keeps succeeding, that's awesome. But my baseline for like, this did good work in the world. This is a plus column in the positive impact column. Then it's like, okay, well then it'll go if it goes. And so it's kind of like, 
it's that concept. I think of like, you need to constantly reset your sensitivity to success. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to be miserable. (laughs) I a hundred percent. And I think that's also includes like focusing on the process. Like for me all, for example, I have a habit app and like, uh, cause I like to like gamify the process and just check, check things off as I go through the day. Um, and the only things that aren't like meditation, breath work, all those things that are on there are post on TikTok and post on LinkedIn purely because I know TikTok is where I'm like trying to spread my impact of helping people. And then LinkedIn, similar, I actually post similar content on there, but it also helps with my business and making connections and speaking things and all this stuff. But I completely put it to the process of like, I posted something that flex my creativity. I enjoyed making something. And if it gets views or not, I don't care. I put in, I put good work out into the world these algorithms can do what they want, but I know I yeah. put it in there. And, uh, and I think that's the way to go because if you just focus on, oh my gosh, I need to post something and get 10 likes every day, or I need to gain a hundred followers every day. Like that's just setting yourself up for just not being happy with yourself, not maybe reaching that target or just focusing on these things that are out of your control entirely. If you just, yeah, or you're also like, oh, like, okay, well, what's going to make the post go versus like, mm. what am I thinking about lately? That is super useful. Or that's that, it. I yeah. think it's interesting. It's just like, it's your work, right? If you're yeah. writing a book, you would be like, what is everybody asking? You'd be like, okay, yeah. what do I care about that is new and interesting and can be like put to the body of work that is helpful. And it's so interesting because, you know, someone posts a picture of like them in a bikini, like every single post. And it's like, <laughs> what are you putting out here? Like, <laughs> like yeah. just like, I don't, I don't even know. And it's like, you know, just like a butterfly insignia. It's like, okay, like, let's move on with this. Like, this isn't like, I get it every once in a while, like you do it and like, it gets a ton of new followers because it's like, it hits the algorithm. Right. But when it's like this after this, after this, it's like, what are you putting out here? Like, I, I don't understand what the like what's the positive impact on here besides someone quickly scrolling and liking because it's like a little reptile thing being like, Ooh, hot girl. Like there's no impact there. And you know, I yeah. like to reference like sometimes when I do presentations, I'll reference on social media, I'll reference. There was a story once of like this girl who had, I don't know, like a million or 2 million followers yeah. She worked with a company to sell some shirts. She sold like one t-shirt and it's like, people were like, what the hell? Like we thought she would sell like and make all this money. Yeah. Well, her followers were like creepy guys. Um, uh, do you think that they're trying to buy women's t-shirts? No, yeah. they have women in their life. They're following her for like this, cause they have this attraction to her. Why yeah. would they be buying like this woman's t-shirt versus if someone has a million followers from helping and empowering women in something, yeah. they're much more likely to have bought like this, this t-shirt. So it's just so interesting. Like there's, you know, it validates her maybe that she has all these followers, but when it actually came to making a difference or helping or doing whatever, you yeah. know, she wanted to raise money for charity or something. She just couldn't even do any of that because it just, it wasn't for the right reasons. Yeah. I saw something great yesterday. Um, it was like Bernie Sanders put a picture of him with his mittens on a t-shirt and sold oh, yeah. it for $5 and then donated all the proceeds to charity. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, that's oh yeah. So I said that. I, I think I posted that in my story. Cause I was like, um, that is a, like a, such a lesson in marketing. Like the team that executed like that fast on that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was actually in like a hockey marketing, uh, room yesterday on clubhouse and we were talking about, um, you know, that example in, for example, why isn't the NHL even executing on these things? Why aren't it like, there's so many things that other people can take from that example where they could be doing stuff that fast and like, yeah. you know, turning that attention to good or, or driving awareness on something, but. Yeah. Um, I think we covered so many different topics, so many different topics, but especially we, we definitely dove into like sleep and our thoughts on all that. 
if, if we could sum this up into like, cause we, I think we really explained like our thought process. Like we went yeah. through the thought process together while we were on. It was a really fun little brainstorm. <laughs> yeah. Like how could we sum, sum this up in a sense of like what we can take moving forward from this conversation? Yeah. I think for me, I think I'm going to start tracking my anxiety levels. Um, mm-hmm. so my, my notes in whoop, I'll say like, I love that note app, um, at the okay. end when you're like going through the everything, journal I think I'm going to start being yeah. like, okay, like what was I, um, ruminating? Was I constantly on the go? Did I have a flow state at some point? So I think those are things that I might try and be aware of and then start comparing it or even just like tracking them like a habit tracker or something being like, okay, like did I do these things? And then comparing them to the REM sleep and being like, okay, what's going on here? Because maybe that would be a really fun thing to actually start comparing is like anxiety levels or like perceived busyness or decision fatigue maybe. So I think I might kind of sift through through those, pick one or two and be like, okay, how are these things affecting my REM over the next like two weeks? That's and a then feature. maybe try another couple. Yeah, I like that. That's a feature I wish that Whoop had, like that you could put your custom questions and pick a stat you want to associate it with and then you can track it. Like, yeah. I feel like on the back end that might cause a little bit of like, you know, code work that they obviously have to do to make that happen. But I yeah. feel like it's not that difficult. Like I know some people who have apps that are kind of similar where it's like, they obviously don't have like this bio tracker that's actually tracking the stats, but you can put in how you feel and then you can choose, okay, I want to put that against these answers to the journal that I do. Or right. I well, want- realistically on the back end, all it is, is like a data sheet, right? Yeah. Like if they can have something that like in the API that when you put in say like, okay, I, I want to add these two questions and I want you to add them to like that chart that you get the monthly report or assessment. Yeah. Tell me all the different stats associated with these questions that I personally put in. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting too, because on their end, people start putting in things and like, you know, some will be totally different. Like, did I eat peanut butter before bed? Like, <laughs> you know, like it's going to be little things like that. Or like, did I have ZMA or did I have like zinc or did I like whatever? It'll be totally like random things. Right. But then I think what they'll end up seeing is a lot of people are going to end up putting in the same things. And then they can add them to their. And then they can add them when they find that they're valid. Yeah, I think, you know what? I don't think that's that difficult for them to do because literally it's like they'll just associate putting that data with if you answered yes, no, or amount or whatever, like they do with any of the others. Yeah. So yeah, and maybe it's like a security thing because it changes the API data when you put it in yourself. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, that, that's something that they should do. But yeah, so I think the biggest one is like definitely like watch your decision fatigue, watch your anxiety, watch how your life is changing and compare it to your REM. And then, you know, lastly, like, I think be aware of like, are you in a human state? Like, are you in a natural human state once a day where you feel connected, alive, in flow, whatever. And I think maybe those yeah. two things are like, those are pretty big impacts of like health in general. Um, yeah. Like, cause you know, like what, what gets measured gets managed. And yeah. if you are not aware of your anxiety, if you're not aware of your decision fatigue, if you're not analyzing your life a little bit. I think that makes a huge difference. And, you know, just even taking like my favorite thing to do right now before bed is like take five, 10 minutes and just think about my day Hmm. and be like, okay, this was a good thing. This was a bad thing. I could improve on this. And either like write it down or think about it. I find it incredibly helpful, but I think I might more actively be like, okay, how was my anxiety today? Was I over busy? Did I do something that connected myself to others? How do I feel about my performance? Like, I think that might be a really interesting thing to track and then track it relative to REM. 
Yeah. I think, I think if I could sum up what we just talked about is like, think about things more and think about things less when it comes to like social media and all these things, like control the things that control your thoughts. So like, you know, think about those things. Yeah. Control those, but then also think more about what you are doing and then like try to see those stats. Like it's helpful and like make, you know, if you have to make your own Excel chart or whatever it is, track these things. Cause I think that that could be helpful. It'd be cool if like in a few months or I don't know how long from now, if we both do some of those things, we check back in and we'll just see how, uh, like how that's affecting us. And if we've noticed anything different, like if, for example, I think maybe I should start charting, like how many hours did I spend outside or minutes? It could be minutes some days. Yeah. Um, how many, like, what did I do? Did I spend how much time in flow? Did I go snowboarding all day? Like just some of those things maybe even screen time and then relate it back to the REM and everything. Cause I could just pull up the monthly assessment chart, yeah. go into the Excel and like pull things at the end of the month. You know? Yeah. Here one sec. Let's choose a couple things. I'll do like, like, let's choose three things. All right. I like this idea. This is, this is a really good idea. Okay. So I like minutes outside. I think that's really important. I think that's good. Because I think that okay. kind of, that goes with like kind of a flow state, like, especially it's so cold here, at least for me, where I am, like I, if I'm outside, like it's very low chances that I'm like on my phone because my phone might yeah. free. Like I might be listening to a podcast, but my phone is away. So, yeah. Okay. So we could even say like minutes outside slash flow state. Yeah. So if you're doing yoga and you're not looking at your phone and you're just like, you're not like, you know, scrolling for a new song every single time, or like you're cooking and you have nothing else on and you're just paying attention to like the cooking or something. So like being in that like very connected state or being outside and you could even compare the two, I guess. But I think, I think the flow state is really important. Yeah, I agree. I like that. And and it can be a rough estimate because people may not track exactly, or like, it'd be hard to, to know exactly, but you're like, okay, I walked for roughly 50 minutes. And then I did 10 minutes of yoga and I am sure I was in flow the whole time or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I think maybe, and then maybe like a decision fatigue just at the end of the day, be like, did I have to make a ton of decisions today? Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Cause some days are like more days where it's like, okay, I gave myself the opportunity to just have creative flow. Uh, or maybe it's just like routine tasks. So there's some days where it's like, oh my gosh, this task, this task, running from this meeting, this meeting, like it, yeah, there's <laughs> tons of days that vary on that one. All right. And then to the last one, just be like general anxiety levels or like anxiety or busyness or something like that. Yeah. A decision fatigue and a general anxiety, I almost feel like uh, they don't go hand in hand, but they kind of are similar. Do we want to mm-hmm. do that? Do we want to add in like screen time? Because mm. that's something that like our phones will just tell us. Like, so at the end of the month, we can go every day and just see what the screen time is. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because I, yeah. I don't know why that isn't one that's linked, but I feel like it should be. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. You, have, you also have to be like, you have your phone, but then you also have your computer. Oh yeah, that's hard. I, my screen time is 100% of the day. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's actually, that would be a hard one for me to track because yeah, my phone will tell me and it'd be like, oh, you were, the, also the hard thing is if I have my phone open, right? Like it's on an app while I'm it's on my computer open, all day, yeah. it's telling me, oh, you spent 10 hours on your phone. And I'm like, well, I spent 10 hours working on my computer. And my phone was head connected to the headphones or something. Yeah. That's yeah. a hard one, maybe. But like, I think the main ones, I think, is minutes outside, flow state, decision fatigue, general anxiety. And then if you want to track the screen time together, then that's something you that you can what? just look back and... You know be a better one instead of screen time? Voyeurism. Mm. How much time do you spend scrolling? How much time do you spend watching TV? How much time do you spend taking things in and getting sucked into someone else's world and not being aware of your own thoughts? That's, that's hard to track. Well, no, because it's like... How much time do you spend on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook? 
Oh, yeah. How much time do you spend watching TV? Yeah, that's good. That's good. For me sometimes too, like, you know, it'll tell me my social media time, for example, is like really high, of course, but like some of it could be, I was on a client's account and I was posting something or, um, especially for me on TikTok, I spent a lot of time in the app editing my own video, but there's where I never even watched anyone else's videos. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, you have to be cognizant of that on your own be like, okay, this was like, ignore this day. Yeah. Or just be like, I know that like, for example, it says I was on TikTok for an hour. Well, I edited a really complicated video. It took me 50 minutes and 10 minutes of something. Yeah. Else. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, cool. So like decision fatigue slash uh, decision fatigue slash anxiety. Yeah. Perceived anxiety. Um, minutes outside versus kind of flow state kind of a thing. Could, could be two separate things, but I like this, this concept of being like in your body. Yeah. Um, and then screen, screen time, or I'm going to, I'm going to do voyeurism. So like Instagram, like scrolling or TV, Netflix, and see how that affects my feeling. Like not intentional screen time. Like, yeah, yeah. not like I'm working or I'm creating or I'm producing or like, we're having a really interesting conversation on a podcast. Not not like that. Like it's something where you're really just taking it in and you're truly just like watching and You're, you're just hypnotized. If you're in a hypnotized state, then it counts as like this passive voyeuristic thing that may make you feel comparison and like not feel a sense of self and not in your body. And like, you're being hypnotized. It's not normal for humans to be hypnotized for four hours a day. No. Okay. I like this. And then maybe if we track it for say like 90 days or like three months or so, um, and yeah. again, I think that would probably be a good time to, to see, cause we'll still have the winter and then it'll be getting into spring. And so we have some changes in season and yeah, yeah. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So if anyone else wants to join us, whenever this podcast comes out, minutes outside and flow state tracking, decision fatigue, perceived anxiety, four years of screen time. And, um, I know not everybody has, has the whoop. Uh, maybe I'll put a link in, in the bio if people do want to get the whoop or try it out. But also, you, if you have your own device or you're tracking REM some way or sleep or whatever, and you want to join us, like try tracking some of those biomarkers with some of these things, or even just tracking and seeing, you know, putting your minutes outside and tracking it against the decision fatigue and perceived anxiety or something like that. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, we should message group and say like, hey, do you want to add these three things or the option <laughs> to add more things? Because I think these are real tangible things. I agree. I, th- I think so too. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can, I mean, I, they're still supposed to get back back to us about the REM sleep. So maybe in that point, we can sneak in these questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll, we should post message them and it'll really get their attention. <laughs> yes, please. So you all want to message whoop and tell yes. them to include these metrics. It'd be really helpful. I will also put a link. <laughs> awesome 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 well this has been great thank you so much for coming on i really enjoyed this and jamming out on our thought process hopefully everyone else enjoyed hearing our thought process going through it i think this is a unique concept for the podcast that we haven't had before and so i hope that people enjoyed it and got some takeaways and uh maybe we'll come and track some of these ideas with us yeah i'm excited for this it's gonna be fun Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.